0: Hey, good morning Living Hope. My name is James, I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you so much once again for joining us for our online Sunday worship service. I'm actually the newest pastor here at Living Hope and this is my very first Sunday message that I get to share with you. So to be honest, I'm really nervous. Um, but nonetheless, I feel super excited that I get to stand here uh, in our sanctuary and deliver a message that I believe that our Lord God wants you to hear. So whether you are a seasoned veteran following Christ or you are joining a church service for the first time and you're not exactly sure what you're looking for, I just want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you are here. Um I remember in college, actually, I I had won like a 15 bucks off of a scratcher, and if you're wondering uh, if I had paid 10% like a good Christian uh, boy should, uh, the answer is no, I, I did not, and that's because I wasn't a believer in college, but fast forward a few years later or several years later, I remember I had become a believer, and I had a friend, a church friend who was really good at gambling. I mean, this guy was... Incredible. Uh, he he actually paid his way out of college using sports betting. Um, I, I really wish that I was still friends with him. But um, um, he one time I remember he had won a hefty amount of money. I, I don't remember the exact amount, but I remember it to be like lower five digits, like $10,000, $20,000, or so on. And he wanted to give tithing. He he wanted to give offering to the Lord for his winning. And my pastor at the time, I wasn't at Living Hope, I was at another local church. My pastor at the time was adamantly sure that that was not okay. He did not want even a penny of that money. And I'm curious, what do you think? Um, I don't know if gambling winning is something that you would like to bring to the Lord or, or give to the church for different purposes. Um, but I'm bringing this up to you to point out that no matter where you are, regardless of if you believe that gambling winning is completely okay to give to God, or that the Lord, or, or you're at the opposite spectrum, you, you might believe that the Lord is not pleased with that kind of money brought, upon, brought to him I'm trying to point out for you that across the spectrum, there is an underlying assumption that we're making. And that assumption says something like, people need to have a certain behavior, attitude, character, quality, in order for people to worship God. People need to be X, Y, and Z in order for us to worship God. And and you might think that, oh, well, I never heard of this. Thing before, but I want to point out for you that this assumption is quite prevalent in our lives. For instance, you may be a believer, and you might have invited your seeker friend to a church service. Maybe it's today. I, I hope it's today. Um, and maybe your friend had responded this way. Your friend might have said, Oh, well, thanks for the church service invite, but I have a relational issue, or I have a negative habit issue, or I have some sort of brokenness in my life that I don't necessarily want to share with anybody, or that makes me feel somehow unqualified to join a church service, so you know what? Thanks for the invitation, but let me figure this out first, and then I will worship God once I feel qualified. Or you might be a seasoned follower of Christ and you might even be in ministry in different ways and you might have felt, and I want to say that I'm guilty of this kind of judgment too, that you might have felt looking at other leaders of the church or looking at other members of the church and you might have felt, well, geez, what, what is the church thinking bringing this person into this role? I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't the church be fitting for a certain type of people? You might have thought that. I know I did. Or you might be joining us today and you are skeptical of this whole Christian faith thing. You are suspicious even. Thank you so much for for joining us, by the way. Um, You might be thinking, well, I like the idea of grace. I like the idea of forgiveness. I like the idea of love. And you might even like this Jesus figure. But you just can't come to believing in this God because you see that the church, the people who believe in Jesus are not like him at all. You might feel that, well, church people are fake. Church people have wronged me. You might have been member of a church before or perhaps you're no longer worshiping with the community because of the injustices and hypocrisy and fakeness and pain that you might have experienced from a local church community. And if you are there, let me just say, I don't represent the worldwide association of churches, but let me just say as a fellow believer, as a pastor, that we're sorry. Can I just tell you that we own up to that. I acknowledge and recognize that the church, the people of God have committed injustices throughout our history, social, personal, individual, wrongdoings we have committed we have committed against you and god i myself i confess to you that that i'm a sinner as we call in this christian circle that i'm broken and i continue to commit personal and social injustices but i also want to say that the line of thinking because church has committed so much injustice that i cannot trust and believe in this God, or that because church has committed so much injustice that this God is not even real or cannot be real, I'm not really sure if that is so reasonable. In fact, I like to think that if we are thinking about and believing in this God who is supernatural, Right? above and beyond what is natural, whom we believe philosophically to be transcendent, above and beyond what we can see, don't you think that it's more reasonable to say that the character and the nature of humanity cannot be ascribed into the character and nature of God? Rather, I think it's more reasonable for us to say that the character and the nature of God is what is getting ascribed into humanity. In fact, Tim Keller in his book, The Reasons for God, um, he writes a chapter, chapter 4, the church is so responsible for much injustice. He recognizes, just like I confess to you, that the church has committed much wrongdoing. And he gives three major answers, and one of which is that the Bible itself criticizes the injustices that the church has committed. That the Bible itself criticizes the injustices that the church has committed. I want to tell you this morning that I understand I understand that the people of God may be the first thing, a primary thing that you would look at to judge the character and the nature of God. And I empathize with that. But I also wanna share with you, I also wanna claim to you that when we buy into that kind of philosophy, what we're really doing is that we're ascribing nature of humanity into nature of divine being, and I'm not sure if that should be. In fact, I like to believe That the Bible, the revelation of who God is, is the primary source where we ought to go to to judge and discover and to describe and to really see for ourselves whether we're going to buy into this Christian God. The passage that I want to share with you this morning is out of Amos chapter 5. Amos chapter 5 verses 21 through 24. Please let me read the word of God for you. I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs, the melody of your harps. I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. Amen. Would you join me in prayer? God, I pray that, first of all, I just want to say that we're sorry that we have committed many wrongdoings, even using your name, and we have hurt others, and we have turned them away, God, from your love and your goodness. But I also recognize that we ought not to judge your character and your nature based on our limitedness, based on our faultiness. In fact, I believe that you are God of righteousness and justice. And that that is the kind of life that you demand from your people. So I pray, God, that no matter who is watching today, whether they are seasoned believers in you, or whether they are listening to a message from the Bible for the first time today, that you would really speak to each one of them, that you would lead them a little bit closer to you. Thank you, God, for who you are, and we pray In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the verses that I have read for you, uh, you might have noticed that it's full of strong words. Uh, I mean, this is a direct quotation from God by prophet Amos. And God says to Amos that he hates, that he despises the worship of his people around 760 bc uh, israel the country of israel had grown to be some sort of a regional power i mean it wasn't like an empire or anything but it had won successive victories uh, military victories from a capable king and they had accumulated a certain amount of influence and certain amount of wealth and the country had become richer and as the country was becoming richer the king himself became richer and more powerful and not only that the king had shared that wealth with those that are close to him, with those that had already been powerful, with those that had already been rich. And so we had a situation around this time when Prophet Amos was ministering that the rich had gotten richer. Unfortunately, the king and his people began oppressing the common people not only were they not satisfied with the amount of wealth and the influence that they had gained from these battles, they started to take away more and more from the people that they had ruled over. And specifically, they did that through predatory financial practices. They would lend or they would let people borrow land or money and they would charge a certain amount of interest or change the laws surrounding those kind of practices so that it became practically impossible for the common people to pay any of the money back. And then what they would do is they would start enslaving them. They would start making these people into their servants, thereby committing social and economic injustice. And God was angry. God was so angry that he told prophet Amos that he hates the worship of Israel, that he does not want to accept it, that he will not listen to their cries. And God so desired righteousness and justice so much from Israelites that in verse 24 he says, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. I just want to pause and imagine the magnitude of the description that God is giving here. It wasn't that God wanted to say, oh, well, you know, Israelites, the king and and the powerful, you guys did this wrong, so you know what? Let me fix this and then, you know, it'll be all good. He didn't wanna say that, oh, there are some mistakes that you made, so let me just kinda sprinkle the the, the sources of justice and righteousness here, and then we can just move on from here. No, God wanted to make sure in width and the depth and the breadth and the seriousness of justice and righteousness that he wanted to bring upon Israel And he used the imagery of crushing water, a waterfall of justice coming down upon the entire nation, an unending, an ever-flowing stream of righteousness going across and through his people. When you can tell that God indeed cared about righteousness and justice of his people. But what did the Bible really mean by righteousness and justice anyway? The word righteousness, or sadaka in Hebrew, uh, it's a loaded term. It's a loaded term, but I can simply define it for you today as having rightful relationships no matter the status of other people. Having rightful relationships with other people no matter their different statuses. What I mean by having rightful relationships, I, I don't necessarily mean just Morally right relationships, although that is included in that. What I mean by rightful relationships is that having some sort of relationships with the other person that is mutually loving, mutually respectful, mutually encouraging, selfless, humble, other-thinking kind of relationship that I would define as a rightful relationship. God didn't just want moral righteousness. God wanted a rightful relationship, and the word justice, mishpat, what God really means is simply that concrete actions that goes towards building those rightful relationships. He didn't necessarily just mean these social justices or SJW, as you know, we kind of tend to uh, uh, simply categorize in today, uh, but he meant by justice, the concrete actions that people like you and I can take in order to build up the other person to be in a rightful relationship. And again, the emphases are in no matter the status and concrete action. And I wanna challenge you this morning. I wanna ask you this morning, whether you are a Christian, or whether you are non-believer, or whether you are skeptical, whether you are interested or not at all I wanna ask you, how committed are you in loving those who are different from you? You know, Jesus says that it's easy to love those who love us back. Is that right? It's easy for us to love our friends, our family, those who make us feel good, those who compliment us, those who give us something, those that we can gain something from. I believe it's easy for us to love those people back, but what God is talking about here in the light of justice and righteousness is far more than that. He's not just talking about loving those that are easy to love, loving those that we can gain something from, but he's talking about loving those who are difficult, loving those who are different, loving those who are selfish loving those who are different from you and i may they may have politically different views they might come from a different culture they might be belong to a different social economic status those people that you don't necessarily want to have anything to do with those are the very people that god is calling you and i to love regardless of whether you are christian or not and today i want to ask you how committed are you in that sense of righteousness and justice. It seems to me that that kind of righteousness, that kind of justice is more important than ever before now. You know, in this COVID crisis, I mean, I have seen so much, so much resiliency from some people. I just wanna highlight the medical professionals, thank you so much for sacrificing your your own life, really, to heal other people, to serve, and to to do your duty to the full extent. What an incredible source of strength and encouragement you have been for me. Thank you. And teachers, man, thank you so much. I I have a first grader, um, and I recognize that even her teacher has two little kids that are about her age, I recognize that you have kids on your own too. And that not only are you responsible in teaching my child, but you are responsible to provide that for your own children too. And that you went fully online so seamlessly. (laughs) Thank you to all the factory workers manufacturers. I mean, I've read so many heartwarming stories of people giving their extra time, people not even going home to their own families so that they can produce enough goods, enough supply, so that we can fight this COVID-19 together. Thank you. But unfortunately, I have also seen some ugliness from people, um, I mean, I don't want to get into it for too much because, you know, I'd be depressed, Uh, but selfishness, racism, undue fear and anxiety. If I were to take a step back and observe the responses that I see from our country against COVID-19, I couldn't exactly tell you that it's this way or that way if I were to observe a particular individual, I couldn't really give you a finite conclusion, a a definite conclusion of what the overall COVID-19 response has been like. And I wonder why we continue to commit what I believe to be a philosophical error of ascribing divine nature and character from a commitment of an individual, or a commitment from a group of people. I believe that the Bible is clear. That the Bible is a revelation of who God is and we ought to go to the scriptures even before we look at the church, the people of God. And that I believe that we cannot ascribe a character and nature of something transcendent, supernatural out of something natural. And today, the passage that I have shared with you, God seems really clear that he wants justice and righteousness from his people, the church. But I want to make one side note for you that is important. It's that God wants justice and righteousness not as a prerequisite to worshiping him, but that God wants righteousness and justice as a required response to worship him. It's not that God forbade. It. it's not that God prevented Israel from worshiping him, although he hated their worship. He never stopped requiring them from worshiping him as Israelite injustice and unrighteousness was continuing to increase. He continued to require. God kept requiring Israelite to worship him. But he wanted to make it clearly known to Israelites that the life of righteousness and justice was not a requirement so that they can worship him. was not something that they needed to knock out first in order for them to worship him. But it was that required response to the life of worshiping him. You see, it's not that our churches, it's not that our churches are so hypocritical. I mean, yes, we are. I know I am. It's not that because we are unrighteous and that we are unjust that we need to drop everything and we cannot come to church services and we cannot claim Jesus as being good. It's that the church is still required to worship God, but that God demands a life of righteousness and justice because we worship God. I, um, I go to Starbucks every, every other day or something like that, um, about two, three times out of the week. And um, the Starbucks in my area, uh, the local Starbucks locations that I go to have all been closed down because of COVID-19. And so what I do is I drive about 10 minutes uh, out uh, to get to a drive-through only Starbucks. And, and that particular location, uh, I, I have to uh, make a left into the parking lot so that I can get through the drive-through lane and then I kind of loop around to come back out and I am on my way back. And, and it's sort of a, a two, uh, two lines converging into one drive-through line, if, if that makes sense for you. Or, or so I thought. So I thought it was a, a two line becoming one line uh, kind of thing. And yesterday morning I was picking up my, my cup of tea and I, I drove down the street and I see this, I saw the Starbucks and I kind of stopped in the middle of the, the street and to make a left I signaled and I saw that across of me on the opposite side of the street there were like five, six cars, a little bit more than what I find usually in this location. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, uh, this is a, a two lane merging into one line kind of thing. And so I want to show the these cars that are waiting, that I'm being respectful, and so I'm going to let the first car go into it, and then, and then I'm going to follow the first car so that the people can see that, you know, I'm mindful of those uh, people that are waiting on the opposite side of me. And so I did that. I, I waited, and then, you know, I let a car go, and then I, I went in through uh, behind the car, and as soon as I was turning, the car that had become the, the first car of the opposite side lane now started to honk at me and I knew the guy was upset, um, and boy, was he upset at me, I, I mean, he came up to me, he, he rolled down his window, he started to yell at me, and um, by, by the way, if somehow you are watching this, uh, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> once again, I, I apologize to you yesterday, it was just a simple mistake, I, I promise, I, I'm sorry, Um and he was, like, telling me these things, like, he was, you know, saying some colorful words and telling me, like, making sure that I knew that I, I angered a lot of people, that I was, you know, a rude guy, uh, and not in those terms. But, uh. and as I was listening to him, I, I, I just kept apologizing, and I wanted to explain to him myself, and, and I have to say, it's not that I'm such an humble guy that I just kept apologizing, it's that I was afraid that he knew that I'm a Christian. Uh, I mean, I wasn't wearing like a church sweater or anything. Uh, and I, I imagine that if I, even if I had been wearing a church T-shirt or sweater, that it wouldn't necessarily prove that I'm a church member or a church goer or, or a follower of Christ. But in my mind, somehow, I was afraid that, you know, what if he knows I'm a Christian? Or what if he knows that I'm a pastor? Oh, and look at this Christian guy. Look at this Jesus follower cutting everybody's line, thinking he's better than everybody. And I had to stop myself because, one, I I really didn't mean to cut him off. And two, uh, even if I did, it's wrong. Um, And I don't wanna add to injustice, a personal injustice, right, that I know that I will continue to commit because I'm a broken person. That I had to come to recognize that the character and the nature of my God does not depend on Who I am. It's that the character and the nature of God is written clearly in the Bible. It's that even though I'm a broken person, even though I continue to make mistakes that I may be unjust and, and not righteous that I can still worship this God, and by worshiping him, this God, who is full of righteousness and justice, so much so that he wants righteousness and justice to pour down upon me as it was a crashing waterfall or an unending stream of river, that God wants better for me. And that this is the story that I see in Jesus over and over again. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus gives a Sermon on the Mount. It's a beautiful message that flips the the social order upside down. He takes in the broken. He takes in the most unwanted. He claims a blessing over them. In fact, he claims them to be a blessing. And he releases them for a better life. In Luke chapter 7, there's a woman who comes in and she breaks an alabaster jar of perfume. That's probably her life savings, and she's worshiping Jesus, pouring out everything that she had, and people in that room are grumbling. If Jesus had known that this woman is a sinner, this person is broken and dirty and undeserving, Jesus not only accepts that worship, he compliments her, and he says, go in peace. In John chapter 8, we have a similar story of Jesus, a person who had committed adultery comes to worship Christ, and again, people grumble in the same way. This person is an adulterer, a dirty sinner, a broken person, person of unrighteousness and injustice, should not be worshiping God. What is wrong with God that God would take this person's worship? Jesus not only accepts this person's worship of him, but he heals, he forgives, and he says, go and sin no more. You see, God is a God who is full of righteousness and justice. He accepts broken people's worship. He heals them, he forgives them, and he sets them away so that they can live a better life. He demands a life of righteousness and justice from the broken. Skeptic friends, once again, I'm just so sorry. If you had experienced pain, injustice, hypocrisy, fakeness, ugliness from people like me, There's no way for me to make it up to you. I'm just truly sorry. But I want you to know that our God is different. I want you to know that our God is about righteousness and justice, that He is serious about it. Church, if you are a believer, I want you to know that God is with you. No matter how broken you may feel this morning, no matter how messed up you might feel that you might have been or no matter how big of a mistake that you might have made before, I want you to know that God accepts your worship. Not only he accepts, he will heal you, he will forgive you, but let let us not be mistaken. What God demands from his people is a life full of righteousness and justice. So let justice roll down like a waterfall and let righteousness be like ever flowing stream. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, for you are a righteous and just God. I pray that you would use this time, the message that you have spoken through me, to convince your people that you are good, no matter where we are. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.